0: distractions. Last week we looked at distractions. This week we're going to look at distractions. Maybe we won't be distracted, but we'll hear what the Lord has to say about distractions. Proverbs 4.25 says, keep your eyes straight ahead. Ignore all sideshow distractions. And we're living in a day in 2018 where there's so many sideshow distractions. Uh, the, you know, the news cycle runs on distractions. They, they count on the fact that you will be distracted in the next 24 hours so that you will forget what happened 24 hours ago. Distractions. People plan for distractions, and, and uh, the media actually um, causes distraction. So we're living in a very distracting age. There's so many things going on around us all the time. We don't need one more thing to distract our attention. You know, I, I pointed to the fact last week that in our state, the great state of Georgia, uh, July the 1st was the first day of the new law that uh, hands-free, hands-free driving, you, you, you need to have your hands on the wheel, not hands-free driving, not, not that you're going to drive <laughs> without your hands. You know, I'm kind of leery about these cars that are driving themselves around, you know. I don't know about these cars that just drive themselves around. I mean, if we can't even have people to have their hands on both wheels, I mean, what are we coming to with cars driving themselves around? Uh, you know, the, I don't know, that'd be a good question. Does a car that doesn't have a driver get distracted <laughs> from, from doing what it's supposed to do? I don't… Uh, guys, listen, as your pastor, as somebody who loves you… I, And Pastor Sheila and I probably love you as much as anybody that you know. I'll just be bold enough to say that. We love you. God gives us a supernatural love for you. I'm asking you, please, obey the law. And my phone, if you call me, I'm just going to let you know, if you call me, my phone has a message that's sent to you while I'm in the car that says, this person is not receiving your text. I found out how to turn that on. So if you get that text, you'll know. I'm telling you ahead of time that I'm, I'm not going to be on the phone. Uh, now, there's times where, you know, I can tell my phone to call my wife. And I did I did find out how to do this so that if my wife calls me while I'm driving the phone, at least I can take the call. So that's good. But you don't want to have it in your hand dialing and texting and all of that because it causes death. Right? There are people uh, there are people that text while crossing the road and get run over. So you don't have to be driving the car to be in danger of losing your life because of the attachment that we have to these devices. And it's it's growing and, and, and more and more people don't understand how to detach from this computer that we carry around, that we put our life in. And so that's why we're talking about what we're talking about. And we're seeing from the Word of God that distractions cause us to miss God's plan for our life. We said last week that when you don't watch where you're going, you end up where you do not want to be. And it's basic driving skills. When you're teaching teenagers to drive, the very first thing you teach them is not how to push the gas pedal, because they know how to do that. They know how to do that. You have to teach them to keep their eyes ahead. Keep your eyes on the road. We need to teach ourselves how to keep our eyes on the road before us in our life. And we have to admit that there are parts of our life where we've gone places we don't want to be, and it's because we haven't kept our eyes on the road and we've been distracted. You know, last week we said that there's so much more potential in our lives that God has for us that we haven't reached. And part of the reason is because we get distracted very easily. And God is saying through this series, come on, don't be distracted. Watch where you're going so you don't end up where you don't want to be. Um, The advertising and technology companies spend billions of dollars every year studying human the human psyche, the, the, the mind and our emotions and how they're tied together. And, and they actually devise plans to steal your attention, to distract you, if you will. They, they understand that your attention is a commodity. And they're planning and they're spending money and research and development on how to distract you from what you're doing. This is why you get emails from Facebook that says, hey, you haven't been on Facebook in such, so many days, but all of your friends are doing, doing all these things, and you're not doing anything. <laughs> and so you, <laughs> you feel that, and it's like, wow, you're right. I haven't been on Facebook purposely, and maybe I should go find out what's going on in the world. Really, the world went on before Facebook ever spun up, and it will be going on even after it's gone. But we can't ignore the fact that billions of dollars a year are spent trying to get your attention and keep your attention. Retention is a big thing. Once they hook you, they've got to keep you. And so uh, technology has affected our attention spans. Look at uh, Psalm 39, Psalm 39, verse 4. I think it's there in your notes. But technology, we have to come uh, to that realization that technology has affected our attention spans. There will be people in this service that are, are texting. And I know of other pastors that call uh, the teenagers out and tell them to turn their phones off and put their phones away. And, you know, the most important thing is going on uh, up here. But listen, I understand, guys, that I, I'm not, and I'm not that way. I just want to let you know I'm not that way. You've got a phone. There's a Bible on that phone. And the Lord could have you turn into another scripture while we're talking here. And he can be speaking to you, and you can be writing something down. And I appreciate that. But let's back up and realize that we have been distracted in some areas. And this other truth in Psalm 39, 4, it says, Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. You know, we need the Lord to remind us because we forget. We forget how short this life on this earth as we know it right now is. And God wants us to make every minute, every moment, every hour, every second count for him, right? He wants to fulfill his purpose in our life. And so we have to ask the Lord continually, please remind me because I understand that I forget. Help me, Lord, not to be distracted. That is a great prayer. Help me, Lord, not to be distracted. 1 Peter 4, 7 Peter says it like this, the end of all things is near. Now, Peter, 2,000 years ago, was not predicting that a meteorite was going to hit planet Earth. He didn't know something that we don't know. And he said this 2,000 years ago, but he said, the end of all things is near, therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. And I said last week that there's many people that are not praying because they're not clear-minded, <laughs> number one, and they're not self-controlled, yes. which clear-mindedness our being sober and clear-minded and self-controlled comes from not being distracted, right? And I like the, the very end of that is that we should pray. Yes. We should pray. So we need to be clear-minded and self-controlled so that we can pray. This is what we're going to be doing in August, praying. The Lord wants us to not be distracted. When I fast and I tell my body, no, you're not going to have this, and you're not going to have this, and you're not going to have this, I am actually telling my body to stay on task because in this 21 days, between August 6th and August 26th, I refuse to be distracted by the desires of my flesh. I'm pulling myself back to prayer. That is going to be one of my main focuses in the days between August 6th and August 26th. This is being clear-minded and self-controlled so that I can pray. And I know if I need to pray, everyone else needs to pray as well, right? When we pray, we're connecting with God. We are fellowshipping with Him. And there's no greater thing that you can do on this earth than what we were doing this morning, just worshiping Him. That is a form of prayer. In fact, that's the highest form of prayer, is loving on, loving on your heavenly father for no other reason just to tell him that you love him. You're not asking him or begging him for anything. You're just loving on him. Father, I love you, I worship you, I'm here, I surrender. I surrender, Lord. That is one of the highest forms of prayer that you can do, to love him and worship him and adore him. And, and we have to be clear-minded and self-controlled. We can't allow ourselves to be distracted. But, um, you know, I find that we live our lives through our device. Uh, my daughter and I have a daddy-daughter date every year that we go to uh, Eastlake Country Club, and we watch the PGA tournament there, the FedEx Cup. We love it. And, and more than watching these guys play golf, we're enjoying our time together. And so we've made a habit of that every year. And I noticed uh, a couple of years ago that we went and... Um, they, they kept to all the people that were working the event, said, everybody put your phone up, put your phone up, put your phone up. So everybody's got their phone up. The very next year we went, they said, okay, now you can use your phones. And so here we are trying to watch the, the golf tournament, and everybody has their phones out, and they're filming. And I'm watching this, and I'm like, huh, this is really strange. Because... I found myself getting my phone out, and I was doing like this, and I was so excited about getting everybody on video that I, I had to stop myself and say, w- w- what, what, what am I doing here? Why I, I, I'm missing this tournament because I'm so concentrated on filming everything. Anybody else been in that boat? Yes. And then how, how much of that, let me ask you a big question, how much of that film and those pictures uh, do you watch after the fact? Right? You're, you're in the moment, but you're not in the moment. <laughs> we're trying to capture something that we're missing. <laughs> you know, every, everyone, everyone's so busy capturing life that we forget to experience it because we're living life through some device. And it's sad that we rarely go back and we view the photos and videos that we have. And we have to remember this distraction is so great that we forget where we are a lot of the times. You know, distraction uh, can lead to an identity crisis. I believe we're having a huge problem in our society and around the world with uh, people not knowing who they are. The identity crisis has hit everyone. Um, And when you don't know who you are, you either become the image others want you to be are the image that you create yourself to be. If you don't know who you are, you either become the image others want you to be or the image that you create yourself to be. God created each of us with a desire to matter. We need to know that we're valued and that somebody likes us. God hardwired us with a need for affirmation. That's on your notes there, right in the blank there, affirmation. God hardwired us with a need for affirmation. We like to be liked. That's why these tech companies know that you come back to look at how many times what you said or what you did was liked. And that's what's at the very heart of this social media craze that's going on all around us we're trying to build our identities and let's be honest about it and admit that we post out on the internet through Facebook and Instagram and other social media avenues only what we want people to know about us right we build our image by posting only those things that are that are nice right john eldridge who is a, he's a um, counselor and a Christian author. He said this about men. Men are asking the question, do I have what it takes? Do I have what it takes? If you have young boys and you're raising young boys, you know that uh, the question that they're asking is, do I have what it takes? They say, dad, dad, watch how fast I can do this. Hey, dad, dad, look how long this is. Hey, dad hey, dad, watch what I can do, right? They always want to know, do I have what it takes? And I think as men, that whenever we grow up as men, we're still asking the same question. We want to know, do I have it? Do I have it? Am I the leader that I hope that I am? Am I the business owner that I hope that I am? Am I the husband that that I hope to be, the father that I should be? Do I have it? But women, look at Uh, it's there on your notes. Women ask a different question. They ask, am I a beauty to be treasured? Am I a beauty to be treasured? I, uh, Pastor Sheila and I have a little girl. We have a girl. She's 28 years old, not little anymore. But I remember how she grew up, and she grew up really fast. Um, And she had my heart from day one. But she never said, hey, Dad, look how fast. Look how high. Look how long. Hey, Dad, watch me. Um, What she did do was she dressed up, and she wore her mother's jewelry and put on her mother's shoes, and she would come walking around me. (laughs) And that was, hey, Dad, look how pretty I am. Aren't I a treasure to behold? Aren't I beautiful like my mom? Right? And so little girls are looking for their identity. Little boys are looking for their identity. We want to know that, that we matter and if we're valuable. And we call it our identity. And listen, everybody's building our identities on something. We're going to look at three different identities today. Number one, traditional identity. Traditional identity. Traditional cultures, and we, we really don't understand this because we live in a culture that is relatively young compared to the rest of the world. We have a real elastic culture that's very young, but cultures that have been around for centuries and, you know, uh, thousands of years understand that uh, tradition, and you can look in the Scripture and you can see some of this traditional culture characteristics, But traditional cultures uh, identify each other uh, from the community. The community identifies you. You get your identity from the community. It's adopted. Your identity is adopted from your surroundings. Your surroundings. Your script, the script for your life, your script was written before you were born. If you were born to... Uh, a carpenter, you probably would be a carpenter right to carry on the family business and if a, a man had three boys, that meant that his business would triple because they would be carpenters they would learn they would follow dad as as young as they could follow him and learn how to be a carpenter so the the family business was always the place of honor and you were honorable if you carried on the family business and you didn't even think about anything else because you were identified by the community and your identity was wrapped up in generations and generations and generations of carpenters or whatever, whatever your family were, was. If you were a poor family, then you look forward to being poor. If you were in a rich family, you look forward to being rich. Anybody seen the show Downton Abbey? And so you see, the haves and the have-nots. And the, the ones that are serving have this mentality that I will always be a servant, and the people that I serve are so much bigger and greater and wonderful than I am. You see, this is dangerous, to be identified by traditional identity in a community that tells you what you're going to do, who you're going to marry, right? Arranged marriages, Think about it. It's hard for us to even imagine this because we, unless you were born in that country, and I know that that may be a small percentage of people in this place, but for those of us who have been born in the United States in the past hundred years, it's hard for us to imagine this traditional image or traditional culture that is so confining and that actually... Gives a script before you are ever born. These extreme uh, beliefs and characteristics of this traditional culture actually can lead to ancestor worship if it's pushed all the way to to the extreme. You know, worshiping our ancestors. But listen, it's never about your own desires. It's never about your own dreams. It's never about your individual choices. These individual choices that you can make were never a concept that uh, these traditional cultures are aware of. They celebrate things like self-sacrifice. Oh, you to carry on your dad's business, you gave up any kind of aspiration of being anything other than what your father was. And, and there's honor in suppressing your desires. You know, you don't get to do what you want to do, Right? So, you fulfill your role and your duty to your society and your community, then you're a good person. You've done it right. You did good. You gained acceptance. You were honored. And you were successful in the eyes of the people that were around you because you became everything that everybody else thought that you would become, right? Living life for someone else because your identity was given to you by someone else, Remember, when you don't know who you are, you either become the image others want you to be or the image that you create yourself to be. You know, one of of the things that led to the popularity of modern identity, and that's number two, modern identity, one of the things that led to the popularity of the modern identity is Christianity. Christianity led to the popularity of modern identity. Because we find in Genesis in chapter 1 verse 26 where it says that God said let us make mankind in our image and in our likeness meaning that every individual has equal value. And because we're all made in the image of God then God must have a plan for each one of us. And wow, maybe God doesn't necessarily want me to be a carpenter, even though my father's a carpenter, right? This is attractive. This This is what attracts people from traditional cultures into this modern culture, and Christianity has helped us get to that place. And this is actually what makes the United States look attractive to this very day. You can come here and discover the American dream and ask people from a traditional culture what the American dream is, freedom and money, right? I want to be free and I want to spend everything I get or at least get a lot, right? You can be somebody different than what your community and your culture tell you that you have to be. And the problem that happens when you love the idea of being all that you can be and you're so special, the problem is that a lot of people don't understand why. They don't even know the reason why. They, f- they leave God out. They leave God out. Listen, modern identity... This is in your notes. Modern identity says your identity is discovered from within. Your your identity is discovered from within. They say things like, nobody knows you like you do. Nobody knows you like you do. Discover yourself. You do you. Don't worry. Be happy. Don't worry. Somebody remembers that old song, right? (laughs) Happiness becomes this pursuit, right? It's happiness-driven. Modern identity is happiness-driven. When you become what you discover yourself to be, then you'll be happy. And instead of valuing duty, things like duty, we value dreams. Just, just watch over the next week, watch a children's show and watch what the children's shows are telling the children. You're special. You're unique. You're wonderful. You're awesome. But most of them fail to say, why? I know it's tense in the room because you think that I'm going off, but I'm not. Watch. 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 See, if, if we're left to ourselves to identify ourselves to discover within ourselves what we want to be, then we're not going to be who God made us to be. And that's the fallacy, guys. That's the fallacy of our modern identity. I'm going to I'm going to say something like, "It's going to sound sacrilegious." So I'm just working up to that, but. In the Declaration of Independence, it says, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The pursuit of happiness. Okay, tell me when you know that you're happy. And who decides what happiness is? It's all relative, right? These these are big questions. But we have a whole society today in our America that's built on hey. Let's be happy. Is everybody happy in here? And this goes to this modern identity. Just discover who you are, and you do you. Don't let anybody tell you who you are, especially God. We don't want to believe in God because then God might tell us something that we don't want to hear. Right? Right? I know this goes deep, but think about it. If you don't know who you are, you're either going to become something or someone that someone else wants you to be, or just something you create. And the social media guys and ladies have discovered this that you just build your platform. Your platform, that's a, that's a cool word to use. But think about what a platform is, guys. It lifts you up. I'm on a platform so that everybody can see me. But what it allows you to do is to perform, right? You're performing on the platform, so everybody builds your platform. And at the end of this life, whoever has the tallest platform might win if you're happy right all these relative terms to try to get us to identify ourselves right and we're distracted from the purpose that god created us to be god uh, i'll jump ahead to the third third identity and that's true identity True identity, it's on page, I I think you're on page number two now. But there's either traditional identity, somebody's telling you who you should be. Modern identity is, hey, you just discover who you want to be. If you don't like it, change. Let's talk about gender. (laughs) We decide who who we want to be. And we decide what makes us happy, right? We celebrate individuality. We don't want any defined roles. We don't want the difference between man and woman. We don't like those labels, man and woman. That, what that says is, I don't like anybody, including God, telling me who I can and can't be. I will decide for myself right? And when you cut God out of your identity, you're basically sort of out there just floating around making decisions for yourself. And the problem with that is, who says you're right? Who says you're right? You know, we celebrate self-expression instead of self-sacrifice. We value uniqueness and our own brand and our own style and our own platform So, do we think that our dreams begin and end with us? Remember, when you don't know who you are, you either become the image others want you to be or the image that you create yourself to be. And the enemy knows this and helps us get distracted by these other things that set our identity and we never find our true identity. Identity. So true identity is from God. Your true identity can only come from God. A lot of people, though, are, are running from the image that others want them to be, are chasing an image of themselves that they're creating. Remember, God create, called, called Abraham out from his father. And said, I have a plan for you. But first you're going to have to leave where you were born and the authority that you were under and follow my authority. Because I have plans for you. I want to take you from a small man and make you a great man, the father of many nations. But you're going to have to come with me and follow me and choose this identity that I have for you. It's not about what your father thinks It's not about what the people around you think. And really, Abraham, it's not about what you think about yourself. Let me show you some things, and let me take you some places so you see how big I am, and then I'm giving you an identity and a plan that you should fulfill, not because of who you are, but because of who I am and what I have planned for you. So in order for us to be all that God wants us to be, we have to know our identity in Christ. Jeremiah 1.5 says this in the New International Version. Before I formed you, I knew you in the womb. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. He knew us before we were formed, before we ever entered into our mother's womb. God knew us. And before all of that, he set us apart. That's awesome. That takes faith to believe that. And when you believe that, then you come in contact with true identity. You see that God has valued you. He says you're special. He says you're a treasure to behold. Your your beauty is a treasure to behold. He says to the guys, hey, you have it. You have it. I made you. You have it. God God didn't make a mistake. He made you valuable. He made you precious. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven says, for I know, this is God speaking to you this morning, I know the plans that I have for you. Can we just write out beside there? Don't fear. Don't be afraid of the plans that he has for you. Wherever he calls you to go, he will send the grace ahead. He precedes his plan with the grace that is needed for you to fulfill what God has called you to do. Your identity has to be in Christ. You have to know that He created you, that He has plans for you, and He is declaring to you those plans are plans to prosper you, to cause you to increase. Now, that doesn't mean that sometimes you will experience maybe a Joseph moment where you hit the pit, not because of anything you did on your own, but because somebody put you in the pit. But we see from the life of Joseph, he kept his heart right. He understood and remembered who God called him to be. And the pit couldn't keep him down. Any pit, the jail pit, the dungeon pit, or the pit his brothers put him in. God had called him to be raised up so that he could take care of his family and the nation of Israel. So remember Just because you may not be happy right now doesn't mean that God has failed you or he has forgotten you, right? Nowhere, listen, I want to destroy this sacred cow that we have. Nowhere in the Bible are we promised by God happiness. Because you know, guys, happiness is relative, It's relative. If you've got a lot of money in the bank, then you're happy. If you're out of the hospital, listen, you can have all the money in the bank and be in the hospital. You're not so happy. But you can have no money in the bank and be out of the hospital. You can be happy, especially if you stayed in the hospital for a long time. Listen, there's health, and then there's finance. But, but, But the point is, guys, God never promised us happiness. So don't judge your life by this gauge of happiness because the world is judging their life by happiness. A lot of them are pretending. They're posers. I'm just going to show you my happy side. And they're hurting on the inside because they've never connected their identity with God. They don't know true identity, right? So they're only acting what they know. They're only acting what they know. But God's plans are to prosper you and not to harm you. God's plans are to give you hope and a future. Right? So, look at this last verse, 2 Corinthians 5:17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, anyone, man, woman, boy, or girl, if anyone is found in Christ, that is our true identity. If we're in Christ. The new creation has come. The old has gone. And the new is here. That's where we find our true identity. That's where we find satisfaction. Not happiness. Satisfaction. That Paul was satisfied when he was in the jail in chains, in prison for his faith. He was satisfied that if he would just worship God and magnify God, everything would be great. Why do circumstances control us? Because we fail to recognize our true identity in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. And I'm going to leave it up to you for the rest of the week to discover scriptures that talk about your identity in Christ. Because when you identify with Christ and you live in Him and move in Him and have your being in Him and it's no longer I that live, but the Christ that lives in me, then we can say no to the traditional identity and no to the modern identity. And we are not under pressure to build our platform. God promotes. He's the only one that promotes. And as we serve Him and love Him and we self-sacrifice, we give ourselves to Him, He causes us to prosper. He's not going to harm us. He gives us hope and a future. Right? Our true identity. The old is gone, and the new is here. So when you don't know who you are, remember, you'll either be what everybody else wants you to be or what you can create yourself, whatever you can dream up, right? But true identity is who God made you to be, and I'm telling you, you're special. You're precious. You're valuable. There's not another one like you. You're not where you will be, but you're not where you were. Right? God has great plans for you. And there's steps to those plans. And I like the part where it says, God orders my steps. You don't order my steps. Nobody else orders my steps. God orders my steps. So my ears are open to his voice to follow those steps one at a time, one at a time. Listen. Guys, God doesn't expect you to jump three steps at once, even though a lot of times in our mind we try to do that. We try to hurry up the plan of God because we see how good it is. But just wait upon the Lord. Wait upon the Lord. It's the only way that He can renew your strength, it's the only way that you can mount up with wings as eagles, waiting upon the Lord is the only way that you can hear his voice so that you can follow his plan for your life, so that you can find your true identity, the depth of your true identity in Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you.